Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Carly R. I still find it weird that you say Carly R and not Carly S. It's, I can't. Okay. I, it's just... Okay, that's fine. It doesn't feel right. Okay, I feel you. Today we're joined by a very special guest, Jack. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well this morning. Thank you. For I'm glad. Me. I'm glad we got you in studio. Like we we tried it on the phone, and it just it's not right. We right. need your personality in house. Okay. It, it, it wasn't feeling right. And I, and I feel the same way because I kind of like try to like to draw off of the spirit of oh, the people yeah. that I'm in the room with. So yeah, man. It's a big. Di- and I was coming down the highway, so that would have made it really difficult. Oh yeah, like it was fine, and then for some reason like the the sound got all sorts of wonky. And we were right. like, ah, this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't the best way. To yeah. convey your message. That's fine. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. Like I, we we talked before the uh, podcast, and like life couldn't be better. You mm-hmm. know, life could not be better. So where are you from, Jack? I'm from Baltimore City, West Baltimore. Nice. Born and raised. Nice. When were you first introduced to recovery? I was first introduced to recovery um, after coming out of a treatment facility mm-hmm. in August of 2011. Okay. And mm-hmm. how how long have you been clean? I've been clean since that day, 10 years and a couple of months, maybe two months. Unbelievable. Time flies. It it does, man. And like, you know, and I I always say that like, because you asked me where I was from and I said Baltimore City, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't say that like I was in the streets before that first time for 30 years, right? Um, and, and, and actually a lot longer before that, but it was just the 30 years before really meeting the love of my life, my actual drug of choice mm-hmm. that we'll get into. Yeah, man. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. Take it away, brother. All right. Well, you know, once again, thanks. Thank you and Carly for having me on Absolutely. this morning. You know, um, it's always uh, 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 it's, it's an honor for me when I'm asked to come out and share my experience, strength, and hope, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, at times, my disease can still tell me that I don't have a message, right? And, and Which you know, is crazy because you have a friggin' amazing message. Man, look, well, I think when we live our messages, right, it, it's 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 not less meaningful, but like less like uh like less highlights than some people I can be telling it to, you mm-hmm. know. And and a lot of times in some of the places I find myself, like I can tell, like I'll tell you bits and pieces of my story today, right? Yeah. Um, but like believe this that like there are so many um i like to say traumatic or 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 or, or, or events that were um pivotal oh yeah right in the way that my life and my disease would take me to like you know what i mean yep. uh, and so like in the periods of time that we have when we share our experience man you know i just try to hit on a few of them that would like where I'm telling the story where it'll dictate, it'll show you exactly why, where it started and where it ended. Yep. You know, and what I've done since then. So, you know, once again, I'm honored to be here. Um, I come from West Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? You know, I come from Liberty Heights and Garrison. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I always like to say this because it's pivotal. You know, I come from one of the only two parent families in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. father was a school teacher as, when I was a child. My mother worked for the telephone company, you know, um, we come from one of those families where, um, you know, we sat down as a family, had dinner. After dinner, somebody's chore was to do dishes. You know, we, uh, you know, and then you would sit at the table and study, right? Mm-hmm. You had to sit there. We clean the table off. You pull your school books out and you would sit at that table and study for two hours, whether you had homework or not, right? Um, but what happened in all of those years of doing that, right? Um, I thought that I heard my friends outside laughing at me, ah, mm. which would dictate another decision I made a little ways further ways um, down. So, you know, um, I was come from one of those families where when the lights came on, it was like my father hollered out names, Jackie, chill with you, any problem, let's go. And we all came into the house, right? Yeah. Um, we come in, you know, we were still at that age then where we gave out parents a hug and a kiss and we went to bed after Archie Bunk or the oh, Cosby yeah. show, whatever year it yep. was, right? You know, um and then it came, you know, I experimented with a lot of starter drugs throughout those you know, oh, my yeah. early years. Yeah. Um and then then I got to high school. And I can remember my father asking me like you know, um, what, you, what years were you in high school? Is that a joke or how, no? how old you? I graduated high school in 1981. Jesus Christ! Right, right exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which remember that date? None of right? us remember that date right. because, like, my father asked me and once. I, once again, I told you my father was an educator. He was a school teacher, mm-hmm. so he said, "Have you made any plans for what you're going to do when you graduate high school?" And like. 
And I said, yes, I have, right? I always call this my Theo Huxtable moment, right? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and I said, um, I'm gonna take me a year off, right? And I ain't say find myself, but that was what I was trying to articulate yeah. to him. And he made it clear to me, he was real cool, right? He said, that's cool, but you're not gonna live here while you take that year off. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, that was like four or five months before I graduated high school. Um, graduate, go out party. You know how we do on graduation night. Oh, and yeah. the very next morning, like the crack of dawn, um, I was awakened. And I always said that I was waking with my first introduction to black trash bags, which will become a part of my story for mm-hmm. a really long time. Right. Because he said it's time to go. And I didn't he really wasn't think. Fucking around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, so I throw all my little stuff because I had that, like our friendship will say, that male puffery, oh, right? Yeah. I had that thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. So I poked my chest out, got up, threw a few things in them bags, and um, and I walked out the back door, got to the end of the steps, and I said, "Damn, <laughs> where am I going?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Summer of nineteen eighty one, right. So by the summer of 1982, or by the summer, the middle of 1982, um, I had an address. I knew where I was going, right? Um, and the address was 954 Far Street. And if you don't know what that is, that's the Maryland State Penitentiary. And mm. I had a brand new 15 year sentence. Mm. Um, I, t- I talked a little bit about when we opened up about how I would find the love of my life, right? With my drug of choice. So I went into that penitentiary, you know, and growing up, I always heard all the stories about prison. So I knew exactly what I was going in there to do, who I was seeking out to be, who I was seeking out to hang out with. And I went in there and I did what we do in there. Um, Got with a group of guys, we drinking and we smoking in there, but it's something about um, not looking like everybody else, looking, not feeling like everybody else Mm -hmm. is feeling. I said, what what the hell are they doing that I'm not doing? And this particular one particular night, I made a decision to follow him down to my buddy Fuzzy, my friend Fuzzy's cell, and I go down to Fuzzy's cell, and in the penitentiary, you keep a wool blanket over yourself. Oh yeah, you yep. Know, right. <laughs> yep. So I pull this thing back, and they in there sh- with needles in there, mm. and I and I had never used a needle up until that point. Yeah. Right? And I went in that room, that cell that night, and I stuck my arm out, and I said, "Give me some." Right. Whew! What a decision, because yeah. I did not know. First of all, I like to say this. When I walked out of my father's house that morning and I got to the end of that, that walkway and sat them bags down and didn't know where I was going, I did, look, I didn't know the ass whipping that the streets of Baltimore City would get ready to put on this young boy who oh, yeah. was completely unprepared for the mm-hmm. things that were about to happen, right? Oh, and Baltimore was ready to give you that ass it was right. It was, <laughs> it, it was at the prime time. Oh, yeah. Right. You've seen a lot of Early my story 80s. on the wire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in that stuff. Right? Yep. I have, you know. So, man, when I did that in the summer, in, in, in 1982 in that penitentiary, like, you know, I said that I got clean in 2011. That was mm-hmm. 1982, right? Yep. I'm telling you, right, that, like, that period of time in between, if you do the math, right, I absolutely got furred oh, yeah. in the streets, right? Every day wasn't a bad day, but like some of the experiences that I had, we talk about it a lot, man. The homelessness, the being shot up, the being like, you know, um, living in abandonments, you know, um, mm-hmm. being hood rich, right? Going back and forth to prison, back and forth to prison, yep. back and forth to prison. Um, you know, seeing, you know, there were so many traumatic events, not only with myself being shot, right? Um, several times, but so many traumatic events. I, you know, I tell you one that I was thinking about on the way here when I was 13 years old, already hustling in the streets, mm-hmm. selling weed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, I'm walking with a friend of mine, and a flower truck. We see a flower truck pull up like a block ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Two guys jump. The sliding door on the side opens up. Two guys jump out. First time I ever see um, somebody blow somebody's head off with a gun at that young age, right? And there were so many other incidents like that, you know? So, and that was just the start of some of the traumas that I would see, man. So like in that period of time, from that first day in that penitentiary, putting that thing in me, man, and going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, um, I always would, 
Um, I had a guy, a friend of mine, who said, damn, you keep going to prison, building that body up, right? Because I would come home looking like Hulk Hogan or Luke oh, yeah. or something, right? You know, looking good. Only to like, in six months, be, um, be making that quiet surrender again. And what I mean by that is being caught again, handcuffed, getting into the back of the paddy wagon, and never once thinking about uh, not stopping using drugs. Yeah. Always saying to myself, shit, I should have went the other way. Now back oh. now back then, like in the eighties, was there anybody in like the the institutional like line of anything saying there's a way out of this? <laughs> it's funny you would say that. Because yes there was to answer okay. your question. Not only had Judge Silvers and 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 uh in circuit court for Baltimore City mm-hmm. offered me help one time. He said, okay. man, look, you need help. And I said, help with what? Yeah. Right? Um, he said, you can take this five years or let me send you to get some help. And I said, no, let me get that five years, right? Wow. I don't know why, but <laughs> that would be how my life went. But yes, to answer your question, okay. um, when I was in the house of correction, right, sometimes in the evening, the only way that you could get out of your cell was when they even called the go cop. Okay. Right was to either when they call medication mm-hmm. or twelve step meetings. All so right. I can remember clearly in the in the cut running out to go meet whoever to get a few bags of smack. Yeah, yeah. Um, and walking into the meeting late and hearing them, we don't care how much you use or who your connections were, right? Yep. And I was like, are they talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> Still, you know, you know what they say, the core cool oh, about yeah. disease is self-centeredness, yep. right? Oh, so yeah. I was so self-centered that Everybody's I th- always talking about right? you, man. <laughs> but I heard it. Yeah. And that wasn't the only read. I read, I heard the rest of some, you know, them, them readings in yeah. there, man. And I, so that was my exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, even at the end of my road, mm-hmm. uh, I had a friend who I had ran the street with, been homeless with, um, actually went through a traumatic event with him, yeah. right? With him and another friend, them shooting each other up, right? Um, but uh, he looked at me. When I used to see him going into a meeting every morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he would say, boy, let me know when you need some help. Let me know you when you want to get some of this. Yep. And like, uh, I would run. I would go to other with help. I don't even, just like yeah. I did with that judge, right? But it's something about when you get to the end, mm-hmm. right? Can't live with or without, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and I got to that point one day and I didn't run. I sat there and I waited for him to pull up and I said, boy, I'm ready, right? Um, the help has always been here, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So it was just up to me when I was, when I was going to die, what I like to call my spiritual death, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's what it took for me because like, the drug stopped working. The drug stopped. I always, it's funny, we were talking about the Ravens before the before we started, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I always reference how I felt in the end mm-hmm. to being in Raven Stadium on a Sunday, full capacity, yeah. and feeling all alone. Ooh. Right? That was that's how I can reference that. That's my spiritual bottom, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um too. So that I wouldn't get arrested again and and get in the paddy wagon and say, I should have went this way, like mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I could I could finally surrender, you know what I mean? Um, and when help was offered, you know, be able, you know, when they say, "What is your problem? How how you can help?" I could get honest and tell somebody what's going on with me, man. Greatest decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. Greatest decision. So you know, I took that opportunity and I told that guy that day, I said, "I'm ready, man." And I'll tell you what happened, right? Um, this particular the day before that, you know, um. How do I say that? You know, we got a long line of people. Oh, yeah. And at the end of the line, here comes, I see the narcotic detective coming, right? And I still had a bag of things on me, and I threw them in my mouth. And no sooner than I, because I was going to swallow the whole bag. And no sooner than I got it down there, <laughs> this yeah, is what happened. Yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about, you see how big I am. I oh, wasn't yeah. this big then. <laughs> <laughs> he flipped me. Boom, right? And I could, I didn't know it, but he put a pen down my throat, right? And pulled that bag out of, that, out of my mouth, right? Mm. Um, so I, I forgot the time, but it was, wasn't but a few days because the guy, you know, we got out on bail and stuff. And I told my friend I was ready, man. And I still, I went to court for those charges and stuff, but the process had started. Yeah. Um, and I took some suggestions, man. And, 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 and you know, um, 
went into treatment, and so my journey began. Mm-hmm. And what a what a journey! Oh yeah, what a journey, man! I, you know, um, I was thinking also on the way riding here how completely my life looks different today than it did in August of 2011. Mm-hmm. All those preceding years up to that, man. You know, I've come around here, man. I'm taking some suggestions from some people, you know. Um, which would directly get, you know, it would directly affect me changing my life. And some of them suggestions were just like to do the work, the internal work, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've already stopped using drugs, right? Yeah. I was told that the drugs were just a symptom of my disease, Jack. We need to figure out why you were really suppressing some feelings and mm-hmm. stuffing and stuffing and stuffing all those years and putting on mask after mask. Like, what were you afraid of? Yeah. So I answered the challenge, man. You know, um, I had to, I heard, I often heard, that like people around here will give you people who care about you and want to help you save your life will give you some suggestions, man. And like, mm-hmm. and and I heard this guy say, Jack, suggestions are free, right? They don't cost you nothing. The only ones you gotta pay for are the ones that you don't take. Meaning that like when I don't, Ooh. right? You get that? That went way over my head when I first heard. Oh yeah, that, but dude, they they always do. <laughs> like those, like so many times Herb has said shit to right, me, right, right. and at the, at the time when he said, "I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, right. Shit doesn't make sense." And then, dude, <laughs> nine right. months later, yeah, yeah, consequences. It hits, and you're like, "Damn, he told me that That's shit right. too." Yeah, 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 man. So you know, I learned really early on to like, you know, um, take suggestions, mm-hmm. right? Um, take all suggestions. Like I didn't pick and choose. I'm talking about look, giving this thing my complete and unabandoned attention, man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Cause like I had failed at everything, mm-hmm. right? And like I was stuck in this vicious cycle that I thought that I could never get out, and I could yeah. never have a so-called quote-unquote normal life without the use of something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had bought into the lie only to figure out that man that people do recover. Yeah. Right. Um, so like when you when I'm asked to come out here and share my experience like this, man, I can share exactly the things that work for me. I got involved with a group of men in recovery, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much stayed away from women for four whole years, right? On my first four years of recovery. That's right? probably yeah. the best suggestion. The best one, greatest one. And, and, yes, you know, I'm at you it is. <laughs> Terrible women. Right, right. I didn't do anything just dragging to you. us down. You part of it. <laughs> No, you know, but what it did, it gave me an opportunity. Women can't teach me how to be a man, right? I came around here and I learned how to be a man. I learned how Mm -hmm. to be a father. I learned how to be a son, right? I was, you know, um, I can remember still wanting throughout all that time to have a woman, right? And I had a sponsor back then. Rick B was my sponsor Mm -hmm. back then. And Rick B was like, dog, you know, um, I want you to make a list of all the things that you, all the qualities and characteristics you wanted a woman to bring it to me. And I bought him that list, man. I put a whole lot of thought into it. And, you know, and time. And when I gave it to him, he didn't even read it. He gave it right back. He said, become everything on that list and that's what you'll attract. That was the day that I got when he always talks about water seeks its own level, mm-hmm. right? Um, if I'm still sick, that's what I'm going to attract. So yep. like when I when I fellowship with those men and I was, you know, doing the work necessary um, to change internally because the drugs were just a symptom of a symptom of my problem. Oh yeah, I was able to start becoming a better person, right? And yeah. I did, and that's what I did. I attracted, you know. I can remember, you know. Um, Finally getting into a relationship and starting something, and, and this woman asking me one day, well, "What's your credit score?" Right, and I said, <laughs> "Jessica." Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, right, 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 hundred percent. And I'm like, you know, question. credit score. Why would you ask me? But then we did the research, and you know, and my credit score was four twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Right, um, I, and it's something I need to say because I don't know who listening to this. When yeah. I first got here, I'm talking about wreckage of my past, right? Oh yeah. I owed thirty six thousand dollars in child support, right? I owed. I had so many garnishments on my paychecks for the first five years, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I did get through all of it. Everything's paid off, right? Yeah. I've been cleaning up my wreckage, which is part of like what kept me using guilt and shame will keep us using, which we deal with in the work that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So man, we cleared my credit up and we, our relationship began to get a little more serious. And you know, um, some of the things that um, I thought that could never happen to me because you know, we only, we only come here for freedom from active addiction. Yeah. Right, um, that was all I wanted to do. If I could just stop using drugs, my life would get better. I did the work mm-hmm. and I stopped using drugs. So like, 
some of the other freedoms and benefits begin to happen for me. That same woman, you know, we planned a wedding outside. Well, first of all, let me before I get to that, um, one of the things I do at work is I help men and women um, get record expungement. Mm-hmm. Right, get their records expunged. Well, that's you know, one of the best well, things I've gotten. Out of the right. Memory, so after five years of doing it. Somebody said, have you ever sponsored your own, had your own record done? I was like, I don't need mine done. I'm all right, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Only to figure out that I wasn't all right, yeah. right? You know, because we were, and I did get it a sponge, you know, mm-hmm. on my fifth year, my fifth anniversary, that morning, I got 36 oh, expungement yeah. letters in the mail, right? Because right? <laughs> they all come they keep coming, right, right, like, right. Oh, yeah. Um, and I got a passport in the mail that I have applied mm-hmm. for, right? And I'm talking about cleaning up records and being able to make some plans, right? Mm-hmm. And this woman that like I waited for and you know, um, that God sent me, right? Um, we were playing a wedding in the Cayman Islands and we went to, you know, in another country and got married on the beach and you know, um, I'll tell you, that's an ultimate show of faith on your part. Right. Like, you didn't even know if you could leave the fucking right. country and, and put you're, in you're booking plane yep. tickets, you're booking hotels, yep. and just the like, just, I know, I yep. know inside you yep. that yep. like somewhere you believe, like, well, it's all gonna work out. Well, and that's the faith, if you read the Just for the Day today, right? That's what they talked about, right? Faith will get us clean, yeah. right? They talked about how, um, the two things in recovery are getting clean and staying clean on yeah. faith, right? And that's what I've, I've been able to do. You know, we plan a lot of things around here now. Why do I, why am I able to plan things? Because I've gotten to that point where I've done some internal work on myself and I'm saying to myself that I have some tools to understand that I don't ever have to use no matter what yep. comes down the pipe. That same father that I talked about early on in my story died when I had nine months clean, mm-hmm. right? And like that was probably that was the only day in my recovery that I would say I need something because when I got that phone call, I was in the recovery house and I told my buddy I crying and shit, mm-hmm. and he said, "What's wrong?" I said, "My father just died, man. I need something." And he said, "Sit your ass down, right?" And that's how long just telling me to sit down, it took me to sit down and for my recovery to kick in and not go to the familiar thing that I would normally do, which was go use yeah. and make a mess of everything. So like other than that, the desire to use drugs has been lifted, mm-hmm. right? And I have to stay vigilant and continue to do those things, right? So um, yeah, we went over there, we got married, man. You know, that credit score that I improved would put me in position to, you know, um, you know, to buy a home, you know, mm-hmm. to buy a car, all the things that we want in life, right, that I thought would never happen for me, you know, to build relationships back with my sons. I have two boys that are the, the love of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and they, you know, they 27 years old now, right? You know, and they, they, they love recovery for me more than I love it for myself because they've yeah. been giving their father back, you yeah. know? Um, I've been there, and, and you know, um, and a lot of other things have happened in recovery. I lost my brother during COVID, right? Now, no need to use, right? Call my network, man. Yeah. Talk about it, you know, stay in the moment, you know, um, be able to show up for the. I've been able to do just so many things clean that yeah. I would never have showed up for had I been still out there in the streets. Yeah. Yeah, right. so many. Well, we definitely have some questions for you. Come on with them. What you got? Ladies first. No, I never go first. I can't. <laughs> okay. It doesn't feel right. Okay. What? Oh, I offered. I appreciate the <laughs> offer. That was so, so nice of sweet you, right? of you. <laughs> I knew it was going to like boomerang back to me. Right? Yeah. So, it was an egocentric thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, uh, all right. I want to talk about that male puffery that like, and people have heard it like mm-hmm. toxic masculinity. Yeah. And I also want to hear your take on this as well, because I don't think it's just a male thing, right. but I want to get the male perspective, female perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, what is it about us? Cause I know when I was a young man, nobody was going to tell me shit. Right. I didn't want that help. If you offered that help, I was going the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Like, is that like a human ego thing? What is it that like, makes us think we have these answers that mm-hmm. deep down we know we don't have. It, that's, it's a great question, I like to say, first of all, interesting, um, because what I what I think about first is 
the animal kingdom. Okay. I love National Geographic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're speaking <laughs> right. my language that's, now, that's, man. That's, I know I am. I know I am. I got to know you over there. You know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> so when I watch these birds flash, when they build a nest, mm -hmm. and they showing their colors, and they performing for the opposite sex, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the closest thing I can say to you for male puffery just on that level. Yeah. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, um, Back in the biblical days or the gladiator days, yep. that like you know we perform to be like the strongest, the, yeah. the, the, the you know we and 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 throughout time, I believe that men have bought into like um um gender yeah. roles, yeah, right. So gender roles are something that for me. Um, don't apply anymore because of you know feminist movements and things yeah, that was yeah. all and, and, I, and totally. I, I'm right on board with all of it. So, but like some of us will still will, because we have we have it's stuff. still very much in society for sure for sure. So like I held on to a lot of that stuff. So hopefully that answers your question a little bit. I yeah. held on to a lot of it and like yeah. until now. Now that I'm able to sit back and allow mm -hmm. a woman to take the lead or like don't yeah. have to perform to be the biggest and the baddest. Yeah. I don't have to be a bully. I don't have to present like I'm the strongest person. Yeah. I'm able to just face the world yeah. on even scale. Love it. What about you? What? So like, Reword it for me. For a woman. Okay. So <laughs> we under, like the, the toxic ma masculinity side, we're always like putting on a show mm -hmm. and like we're fighting for that independence, whatever, like acting like we know shit and we don't. Mm -hmm. Women do that too. But it's from like a different person. Because like I know, I know you, Carly, and you asking for help. This is a sign of weakness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar. Yeah. I th well, at least for me, it is. I can't speak for everybody. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I was the youngest of three girls, and my dad was that like that big pusher, like yeah. figure it out, do it yourself. And then my mom even was like, just get up and push through it, like sweet. Yeah. And that was just how I was raised. Like if I showed my feelings, if I showed anything, if I didn't know what I was doing, it was a sign of weakness. Mm. And it was like, oh, okay, if I don't know how to do it, if I don't figure it out on my own, that makes me less than. Mm. Okay. Wow. And that's a big thing for the streets of any inner city, especially it's, Baltimore. You can't show that fucking weakness. You can't show it in the, in jail. Like, right. You got to protect that shit. And then isn't it ironic how that came together? Because like that's one of the things, that's how I was raised by yeah. my parents. I was sheltered. I was shielded. I was protected. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I feel that I felt the same thing that you just explained in my childhood. That's why when I said I got to the end of that drive, that walkway that day mm -hmm. and sat them bags down and didn't know what the streets were about to do to me. Yeah. It's because like um, all my decisions have been made for me, mm -hmm. right, by my parents, right? Um, they, for the most part, tried to shield me from seeing most of the things that, I, that were happening out on that street, right? Yeah. Um, they didn't teach me. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. But my survival skills were minimal, yeah. to say the least. Oh, yeah. right? They were minimal, right? Yeah. Um, because then they encouraged competition between us, but mm -hmm. it was educational competition, yeah. right? Um, sports. I played all sports, yeah. things like that. So male puffery came out in that, that oh, arena of as well. Right? Yeah. All right. What you got, Um. Let's see. Uh, it's, well, you talked a lot about trauma from even just being young. So how do you think all of the trauma played into your addiction? Okay. Um, thank you. That was a good question also, right? Because I'm a firm believer that like traumas from very young ages all the way through addiction, right? Through active addiction are the, are the areas of our lives where we really have to do the most work because yeah. they're the things that have the potential to resurface and trigger us, oh, yeah. right? Um, trigger feelings, trigger emotions, right? Um, so I believe they played into my life, you know. Um, let's run with this one theme that I was talking about with my wife, mm -hmm. you know, my wife. I'm an African-American man from Baltimore City. My wife happens to be a white woman from Savage, Maryland, right? Grew up with David <laughs> and them and shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's so, fair. Um, you know, there were a lot of, there were, um, I always used to say this thing that like, I ain't never been abused, right? Mm -hmm. I've never been sexually abused or nothing, you know, 
until like I got comfortable enough to talk with my wife and um, like being abused doesn't just mean like a man doing something to a young boy. So mm-hmm. like you talk with her um, and another friend of mine uh, who's in recovery as well, I came to find out that I had been abused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this was abuse was um, done to me by a family friend, a woman, mm-hmm. who um, I was very young. They used to force me. I shouldn't say force you. Had me do sexual things with her, and um, you know, to, to, this is to answer it with your question. Like, I was told to never tell anybody. If you do, you know all the stuff we're here, yeah. right here, right? But what that taught me throughout life was it, it ruined every other relationship that I would have with a woman. Mm-hmm. Right until I figured it out. Right, I figured it out until I became aware of the trauma. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I went through life hiding sex. It, it 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 prevented me from having, um, like loving and caring, open relationships with women because yeah. I thought it was something dirty and nasty that had to be hidden. Because like yeah. you know, um, because I can remember when I got into this relationship with this woman that I was just referencing, um, and we going walking in parks. And she would want to kiss, and sometimes some other things in the woods. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? Yeah. Um, and the fear would yeah. kick up. You know, I'm talking about not just that, but like kissing and hugging and showing intimacy in stores, right? That trauma affected that area of my life, yeah. and I didn't even know it. Didn't know why, but I carried it into every other relationship. Mm. Um. You know, I referenced that incident with the, the the van pulling up and blowing this guy's head off. Until I got into recovery, every van, the name yeah. on the side of that van was Jerry Gary's Flower Shop. Yeah, I never forgot that. Mm-hmm. Right, oh, um, yeah. and every van that pulled up in a in a specific situation, that trauma jumped up. Oh yeah, right. It was I was reliving it. Mm-hmm. Right, um, some of my situations where I was shot, like you know, um. I could hear certain things. I could see certain things and like it triggers those events. So like I have to, you know, um, if I, I always say if you don't deal with your traumas, if you don't address them, they'll address you. Ooh, yeah. right? I always say that. Mm. Love that. And like, I want to answer that. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just, no. No, we had her last week. And we got her last week. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I think that's been a big problem in just the whole more public addr- addressing of addiction is for this whole war on drugs. It's mm-hmm. always, it's just been, we've been attacking the drugs and mm-hmm. we're not attacking that trauma. Right. We're not, we're not attacking those, those feelings and, and misconceptions and, and that level well, how of about ego this? and masculinity that really, that really is the core of addiction. For, for sure. So listen to this, right? Because we all have parents, we all in this room mm-hmm. in recovery, right? How many times have you heard Boy, what's wrong with you? Oh, why don't you just stop? Yep. Right. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Um. And now, like through trauma informed care, which is like something I've literally been trained in. Yeah. You know, doing like we don't ask what's wrong anymore. We ask you what happened. Yeah. Right. What happened? And like when I can begin to tell those stories about what happened, we can unpack them. Yeah. Right. And and help whoever suffered the trauma. Um, not relive it in a negative way, but see it from a different perspective, right? Yeah. So all of those things that happened, um, I always thought that things happened, how do, how do we say this, to me. Mm-hmm. They didn't happen to me. Happen they just happened, you. right? They mm-hmm. just happened, and I have to like take it off of myself to think that I have to live with that for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. right? So trauma-informed care, man, when we get in the working with that man we can get over you know I'm, I'm traumatized by um grits if you go out trying you know um you are weird with your food you are weird with your food that's true right, right so listen to this because like you know um i come from a poor family oh yeah right so we had grits for breakfast 
Grits mm-hmm. and eggs. We oh, had yeah. grits and like hot dogs for lunch. Yeah. And we had grits and beef stew for dinner every day. Man. For per until my parents became a little more yeah. you know, successful. Middle class. Mm-hmm. But I can remember those days and like I'll never eat it again. I don't and it ain't yeah. that I don't like it. I'm 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 traumatized by oatmeal. My sister used to make me eat it. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> so trauma's come in all forms and fashions. They don't just have to be, you know. Yeah, it's not always a major thing. Right, Sometimes right. it's that little thing yeah, and man. it's and it's the perception of for the sure. person receiving it for yeah, sure. Man. All right. Um <laughs> All right. I like I've seen. I've watched your recovery. Like we're 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 neck yeah. and neck. You're, mm-hmm. you're you're one lap ahead of me. Right, right. Um, but dude, you're 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 fire in the, in this area, and, and just everything you do in recovery is now a decade strong. Mm-hmm. How do you fuel that recovery? You know, um, I keep it fresh mm-hmm. first, and let me stop. You know, I'm not I'm not a lap ahead of you. We we on this journey together, right? Because your fire and passion, I you know, um, is is just as strong, right? Look at look at what we doing yeah. here. Look at how many people you reach. You know, um, I always uh, you know we talk a lot about finding a purpose. Yeah, right. You know, before I got here, I didn't have a reason to live. Mm. You, you yep. know, feel me? Um, oh, yeah. So now that I found a reason to live. Like, you know, um, and, and I find a reason for live. It's like trusting in the higher power, whatever it is, right, that I'm gonna be put into the right positions and the right situations, man. The situation I've been put into was to like build a career out mm-hmm. of recovery. Yeah. Right, you know, um, so when I say that, I don't say that to talk about the career. I say it to yeah. say that like, I'm always in a position to keep my recovery fresh by helping people seeking recovery. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. you know, um, so like the more that I see that, you know, I get to help people. Like one of the greatest gifts for me, mm-hmm. right? Well, for reco- I say recovery is the gift that keeps on giving, right? Yeah. It's for me to help someone and see them get this thing and help somebody else. So like that's how I keep it fresh, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I might be involved with these twenty newcomers mm-hmm. this month or two for you know six months. And once they find their way and find their tribe and start helping people in their own way, I'm able to start it all over again. Yeah. Right? And, and we use this word, we throw this word vigilance around lightning. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's important for me because Very. I've seen so many people who stop being vigilant, stop doing the things mm-hmm. that have afforded them the opportunity to be abstinent and working on a program yep. of recovery. And so, where it's them, and it's, that's okay for them. But when I said, when I told that guy that um, I ain't never, when he told me that I never had to use again, and I told him I was gonna become a part of that no matter what club, there was some things that came along with becoming a part of that no matter oh, yeah. what club. We all could often talk about freedom, right? But freedom ain't free. Oh, it's yeah. gonna require a level of doing some work around here, right? To be able to stay here and doing 100%. the work excites me. Yep. I, I get to meet people like you and Carly, man, and like we we've done a lot of things around here. Like life is not boring and monotonous, so I find beauty and I find that there's like enjoyment and fun and things like that. And doing some of the most what I what used to would think was some of the most mundane things and like mm-hmm. excitement. I was in the garden yeah. this morning. Yeah, right. Hell yeah, cleaning out the garden. Yep. <laughs> and speaking of that, so I remember. God, this was six seven years ago we're at the ocean city convention mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure it was just you and me mm-hmm. like we both were the were the early risers right. and yep. we, we go out onto that balcony yep. and like we're having yep. our coffee and our cigarette and we're just we, we're just talking we're like yep. how the fuck did it get this right. good man <laughs> it like, was that one of mike and joni's yes and like we're just and it's Ocean City Beach, so it's right. not it's like it's it's not like it's the fucking Cayman Islands. Right. But like even our minds Ocean couldn't City. like we couldn't fucking fathom like, right, oh right, hey right. man, we're we're in this awesome place, <laughs> like doing recovery. Yes. There's the there's yes. the ocean right there. Yes. And like it was just uh, Amazing, man. And, yeah. and and it's the, the I'd like to say it's the moments like that that I reflect the most and I enjoy the most, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, that trip down there was like when I you know how we say we throw this around a lot. 
in the rooms, right, that we we go to, right, mm-hmm. um, staying in the moment. Yeah. Like, what the hell does that mean, right? So, um, Ocean City is real significant for me because, yeah. like, when I went to Ocean City the first time for a convention, mm-hmm. um, man, I one of the first things I did was call my father because my father literally, no matter how much money we didn't have, mm-hmm. one thing, we always traveled. I've been all over the country with mm-hmm. my family, right? So I called my father. I said, why haven't we ever been to Ocean City? And he said, son. Because <laughs> I was in love with it from the jump, yeah. right? He said, well, when you're a kid, the only thing a black man could do in Ocean City was pick tobacco or shine shoes. And I wasn't taking you there for that. Mm. Right? So I got that part. Yeah. But, like, I got in, t- in touch with nature then. And then I stood on that beach. And I heard the sounds of the waves and the wind blowing and smelling the water. Right? Oh, that sunrise like, meeting is right, something else. You know, and that's where I became... Um, part of that stand in the moment. That was the gift that was given yeah. to me down there. That, um, that's when I understood it. So, like, yeah. Right. yeah, honey. What you got? Um, well, at this point in your recovery, do you um, see your addiction manifesting itself in other ways? I would like to say no. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> yes, I do. That's um, a big word. Yes. <laughs> well, today, my, um, I'm, um, yes, today I'm in day about, I came back on the 12th, I'm in about day 30 of no sugar and no bread, right? Because, you know, um, one of the things, you know, we come around here and we stop using drugs and alcohol, Yo, right? Yeah. Um, but I have been, September the 21st was a year for me, nicotine free. Right, so giving up the nicotine, um, I gave up the cigarettes for six years, vape for a couple years, mm-hmm. um, but it's been a year with none of it now. Yeah. But I allowed myself to start eating like crazy, right? It became- Oh, I see those pictures of right. those pineapple upside down cakes your mom making you. Right, and like, you're still gonna see them. good. You're still gonna see them, yeah. right? Because like that's something that I allow her to still do for her. Yeah. And I just give it away, but I can't touch it anymore. Mm-hmm. Not for, not today. Yeah. Um. So like, yes, my disease has today, Um. I will say it's in food. It's in not, the, you know, um, you know how we talk about control being impossible the moment I cannot control eating things that are unhealthy for me. So like, until I stop, just like with the drug. So now I've had to practice the discipline in the food area, yeah. you know, and and, and, I, and I'm here to report that I'm, I've already lost eight pounds. All right. right. Um, you know, it has, you know, at one time it was shopping, right? Um, I couldn't stop buying tennis shoes, Carly. <laughs> hey, I have not bought. No, that's not true. Never right, mind. right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it does. Um, but I believe that we can work this program in every area of our life, right? Mm-hmm. Recovery program, like we can, we can um, find a solution. Yeah. To whatever we're, we're experiencing, whatever we're going through, like whatever area my addiction may be manifesting in. I can use the same tools that I use, um, just tweak them a little bit to stop the obsession and the compulsion to use substances. Mm-hmm. Right? Are you on that keto shit too? No. Okay. Say, it ain't that serious. <laughs> Jess, Allie. I know, right? All of, all oh, of, I know. She's nuts. I'm not ever doing that. But uh, now, anybody who's listening, like, what he said was, like, very crucial. Because, like, recovery is, it, it, it's going to be a different layer to the onion every time. Yeah. Like, like a, you don't have, don't overwhelm yourself. Like, right. s- start with one thing. Yeah. And, like, if you're smoking when you first get clean, don't think, like, oh, I got to get clean yeah. and I got to quit smoking. Right. Like, if it's helping you right now, it's all right. It's yeah. a lesser of two evils. That's we'll right. address that later. Yeah. If you're overeating a little bit too much, we can address that. Mm-hmm. But, like, give yourself some time. Don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up about, like, those little manifestations that are going to come. Like, right. some days you're going to you're gonna spend more. Some yeah. days you're going to eat more. It's, yeah. like, it's okay. But, like, as long as you, like, don't make the ultimate mistake, mm-hmm. like, we can work on That's that. right. Don't and not not being too hard on myself. It's important for me, and that's oh, yeah. why I have a sponsor. That's why I have a network of people, right? Because like I'm still my worst critic. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you know I I magnify things to the umpteen. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. So it's important for me to keep people who care about me around me 
who are willing to tell me the truth about myself. Yeah. Don't try to protect my feelings, whatever, right? And my yeah. feelings get hurt a lot. You know, um, sure, I have the fire and, like, and the compassion and the empathy and the love and all of that, right? But there are days where I can come up short as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're just in areas that have nothing to do with using drugs. Yeah. You know, um, I can still be a people pleaser, right? Mm-hmm. I can still um, consume too much product. I can consume too much screen time. I can consume, oh, yeah. I can work too much. I can, you know, you know, I work a lot. That's another mm-hmm. area that I have to be open and honest with people around me with, yeah. right? <laughs> but you took off for us today, didn't you? That's, no, I'm off on Saturday. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if it would have been on Sunday, I would have. That's when it was. Yeah, that's indeed. And, and this worked perfectly because, like, you know, um, any opportunity that I get to share what was so freely given to me, mm-hmm. right, is an opportunity to reach one other person, right? These sound ways, like, you know, these this stuff go far and beyond. Like, oh, somebody, right? Or identify with something. That's why we talk about so much, yeah. man. Somebody identify with yeah, something. Yeah, you could be right? talking to a kid in Oakland right, right. now. Exactly. And that kid's hearing you right. like, damn. Right. right. Same story. Mm-hmm. Same know, story. Uh, and we can relate. Yeah. All right. So I got my final question. Mm-hmm. It's a two-parter. Okay. All right. So if you could say anything to young Jack 1981, mm-hmm. what would you say? <laughs> and would you think he would listen? I'll answer the second part first. Mm-hmm. No, he wouldn't listen, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, but what I would say to him is that everything that the people who are closest to you in your life right now are trying to instill in you, you know, morals, principles, values, mm-hmm. and things like that, lessons, right? Yeah. Um, pay attention to them. Yeah. When I get to the end of myself, it's important for me to remember all of those lessons because, like, not knowing in 1981, with talking to that old, that younger version of myself, mm-hmm. right, I wouldn't know that all of those lessons and morals and principles and values, I would remember every one of them, yeah. right, and I would get an opportunity, right, to practice them. Um, I, a friend of a mutual friend of ours lost his dad. I, I spoke, I referenced losing my dad, so like, you know, Donnie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Lost would lose his dad, and I can remember we were standing outside of a restaurant after a meeting one night. And he said, "One thing I want to ask you, because when we share like this, we sharing to oh, help yeah. somebody who's going to go through what we're going to go yeah. through." And I can remember him saying, "Did you forget all the lessons and life skills that your dad had gave you?" And I said, "Absolutely not." And I said, "Hold on to every conversation that you've ever had with your dad." And like so, like that's. Like, that's what I would tell that young version of myself, that mm-hmm. young 1981 Jack. Everything you're going through today is going to make you a better person when you do make that decision to change your life. Yeah. Mm. Right. You got a last one, Carly? I do. I do. It's a, I asked Jess this last week, so I wanted to kind of see the parallel. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Set up question. Now. Biggest on. accomplishment in recovery. Wow. That's heavy. Um, you know, my biggest off the cuff, my biggest accomplishment in recovery for me is not going to involve things. It's not going to involve people, but it's going to involve me. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I'm sure that my biggest accomplishment in recovery, and I have to preface it with this. Um, I had very, very, very low self-esteem when I got here to recovery, right? I absolutely had no um, confidence. I had no, you know, nothing, no, for Jack. Yeah. I believed more in everybody else than I believed anything. So um, my biggest accomplishment has been to gift myself me. Mm. And when I say that, I have done the work on, you know, building my esteem, building my confidence, like, um, shattering that false ego, that false yeah. pride, and those things like that. So, being in recovery has gifted me. Me. That's the first time I've ever said that. When I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> dude, that is so thank you, thank you, Carly. Good, man. That is like you know, that is the me, best me. gift that I can give myself for recovery. That's my greatest accomplishment, hands down. There's been a lot of other things that I've accomplished. You know, I've gone back to school, got a, a more of an education. I, you know, got good jobs and a bunch of trainings and, you know, um, 
you know, all the other stuff that I've named in life that I've gotten in recovery, but like, man, the, the work that I've done for myself, on myself, for myself has to be because it's gonna be that gift that I can continue to share because I continue to cultivate different relationships in my life, man. And I'm able to give this thing away freely. That is a fucking great quote, man. Dude, that's that's the name of the episode. 100%. Right, right. Gifting me, me. Mm, that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, we would like to thank Jack for joining us today. Yeah, all right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having you did me. A great job, man. One quick minute. Talk to anybody out there who's struggling, needs to hear that message of hope. What do you got to say to them? Uh, what I'll say to you out there, if you're struggling right now, you don't know where where hope is or if there's even hope. But I'm, I've been right there with you. There is hope. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out to your local, um, um, your local whatever, right? And find somebody, look for somebody who looks just like you or like somebody, who, you know, make yourself available for help. You know, there, you know, there are 12-step meetings everywhere that, you know, you have therapists, doctors, and places like that that can refer you to the help. There is help. Don't feel like you have to do this thing alone, right? We participate in some WE programs out here. Absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, thank you, Jack. And here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and with a touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope. Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, if you'd like to become part of the Podcast Recovery family, you can uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Like, share, subscribe. And also, we need your help to keep the mics on. So please go to our uh, Venmo for PayPal. And, you know, um, we are fully self-supporting. So any, any donations are greatly appreciated and well well used. Um, but, yeah, we'd like to thank everybody, especially Jack. It was fantastic. But most importantly, everybody out there. Stay safe and stay clean.